Open up that crystal Pepsi and get comfortable. This is Dope Nostalgia. Feels like forever since I've recorded an episode, but it really hasn't been. It was actually the fourth anniversary podcast that we recorded live on YouTube, which is still up on our YouTube channel as well. And it feels like a long time, but hey, welcome back to Dope Nostalgia. I'm Naomi, your host. We've got some exciting new stuff in our merch shop. You can check that out at tpublic.com. The link to that is also at dopenostalgia.com um, under merch. So we've got some cool shirts in there. Um, not just dope nostalgia designs, but just some like funny 90s centric fun stuff that you might enjoy. Um, you can get T-shirts, stickers, uh, you name it. It's all in there. Check it out. We also have a brand new hotline. We ran with a hotline a while back and I didn't get many calls on it. Maybe part of the reason of that was because of the fact that it was a local phone number. So you would be long distance if you called from anywhere else but in Edmonton, Canada. So I fixed that situation. We now have a toll-free number you can call and leave a message for the show. Not only might your message be on the show, but I love hearing your feedback. So please give us a call and request whatever you want, your favorite artists and episode you want to hear, or just want to give us a shout out, just want to say hi, please do it. The number, one 888 741 9192. That number again is 1 888 741 9192. I'll be running an ad for it later in the show. But now, our special guest today is from a group called The Family Stand. They did a lot of amazing stuff in the 90s, and Sandra St. Victor is here as a special guest. Here's a little bit of background information on The Family Stand Wikipedia Moment. Please bear in mind that Wikipedia is not to be taken as actual 100% fact. Any donkey could edit it at any time. If I'm reading you the artist's bio, that stuff is the real truth. The Family Stand is an American soul and R&B group based in New York City, active since the late 1980s, consisting of Sandra St. Victor, Peter Lord Moreland, and V. Jeffrey Smith. Chain brought them their international hit Ghetto Heaven, which was remixed by Nelly Hooper and Jazzy B of Soul to Soul in 1990. The group's single Ghetto Heaven also reached number 10 in the UK singles chart in April 1990. At the same time, the Family Stand members were largely responsible for creating the songs on Paula Abdul's hit album Spellbound. Moon and Scorpio, the album that became their swan song, was released in 1991. Lord labeled the album The Family Stand's Greatest Artistic Achievements. After discussion between the three and disappointment with the lack of record company support, the group decided not to record again for the label. Lead vocalist St. Victor began to launch her solo career and was replaced with Keith Sweat's former background vocalist J.C. McGee in 1995. The reformed group came out with Connected. The original trio reunited in 2006 for a concert at New York City Central Park's Summer Stage, which inspired a reunion tour and new album, 2007's Super Soul Nova. Their latest release in 2010 was a single, Story, chronicling the madness of the American justice system where an innocent boy can easily be lost. The follow-up full-length project is entitled, In a Thousand Years. In 2011, the Family Stand member V. Jeffrey Smith played bass on the song Black Hand Side on rapper Pharrell Monch's 2011 album War, We Are Renegades. In 2013, the Family Stand contributed a track to a benefit album to raise funds for Donovan Drayton's release from prison. I am very happy to present our special guest today from the Family Stand. This is Sandra St. Victor. Well, welcome to Dope Nostalgia, Sandra from The Family Stand. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about your point of view of when you guys got together and how that all happened. Well, it was uh, sort of um, not planned, obviously. We uh, met and worked together as um, I was doing demos for them. Mm -hmm. uh, it was another 
uh, artist friend of mine, Lisa Fisher, was doing demos for them. Uh, she's a great artist, by the way, right now, um, doing wonderfully. But she was going to be traveling more with Luther Vandross at the time. And so she she, she couldn't do the demos anymore, introduced me to Peter and Jeff. And that's how we met. Mm-hmm. So we started working. And um they were at the time doing um, demos for like Mickey Howard and Donna Allen and some other folks, I think Will Downing and that sort of thing. And and I was just singing the demos for them. But then uh, they got an offer from Atlantic Records to do um, a producer's album a la like Quincy Jones, where you invite different artists, different singers to sing on, you know. Your yeah. productions. So we started like that, but the click between the three of us was so good that they told the label that they just wanted it to be a group. <laughs> we, we just with just me singing. So well, wow. as the lead singer. So yeah, that, that's our humble beginnings. That's incredible. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love, the, I love the fact that you're all still working together as well, or at least you yeah, know. yeah. It's- Fantastic. Now, Ghetto Heaven was your first huge hit, from what I understand. Um, Correct. And you worked with Soul to Soul. Uh, well, you guys have a connection of. together? Not really. I mean, it was a label connection. Uh, they wanted to do Soul to Soul was really big in in, in the early nineties, obviously, mm-hmm. and um, they wanted to do a remix on Ghetto Heaven, Heaven, and that's kind of how that whole thing came about and. Jazzy B was cool people. Uh, Nelly uh, Hopper was also great, doing a lot of the grunt work for uh, studio sessions with Soul to Soul. So it was a cool connection. The only problem we had with it is with that people always thought we were from England from that point oh. on. And, and thought we were, you know, from the, actually a lot of people thought we were Soul to Soul. So like, okay, no, we're not Soul to Soul. Or oh. loose ends for that matter. <laughs> So yeah. having to straighten out those misconceptions would have yeah. been a bit of a challenge. <laughs> yeah, it was a mess sometimes, but it's it was to be expected. So tell me your thoughts and feelings um, behind first the album Chain, and then yeah. Moon, and Moon in Scorpio, and of the two, which one are you cl- hold you closer to your heart? Well, Moon and Scorpio definitely, but um, before Chain, there was an album called Yvonne Jeffries and the Stand. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. uh, was that was our first thing in the '88. Um, I guess think we were really just we were all figuring figuring out certainly who we were um, individually as musicians, and as those albums um, came about, we're figuring out who we were as a group. So by the time we got to Moon and Scorpio, you know, that mm-hmm. was us. That was that was for us. That was the height. You know, if you look at the progression, uh, Yvonne Jeffries and the stand was basically R&B, you know, but of Mm -hmm. course, with with our, you know, heavy handed twists, but um, it was R&B. And then Chain, we brought in a little more of our, you know, our rock uh, undercurrent. And then on Moon of Scorpio, we went all the way out with the funk rock thing. And that felt Mm -hmm. that felt like home because I mean, performing uh off of all of those albums um it, it was it, it sort of that that sort of uh um gave us well we we knew who we were because that's what happened on stage you know with anything we wrote it started it on stage became live it became more rock and soul you know yeah. so yeah it was a natural progression I love Chain. I love uh, actually there are a couple of songs on I really dig like Why Does It Hurt We Kiss and Simply Love mm. on uh, Yvonne Jeffries. I love those songs. And on Chain, I love uh, Little White, Little Black Lies and um, Sweet Liberation, you know, and uh, uh, The Last Temptation. Those are the, those are my jams forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? well- I'll, then, play, you know, I'll play a couple clips from each of those I'll albums go. so that people can get a taste of it. Great, great. Thank you. Uh, 
get to uh get to uh moon and scorpio of course i was they were producers and writers and i was a singer at first and jeffrey sort of threw me in the in the barrel and said you have to write so he's he made me write i was a writer before but i would write secretly in my house you know never (laughs) no (laughs) jeff said you have to write so jeff is the reason i have a writing career so he threw a song on me, said, write that and finish it. We're going to record it. I was like, ah. So by the time we got to Moon and Scorpio, I was, I felt good about who I was as a writer, actually, enough at that point. And mm-hmm. um, I was writing more. So, you know, uh, Shelter is on that album. Where Does Mommy Lives is on that album. Um, you know, we we just kind of, we, we sort of melded together then as a group. Yeah, and opened up a whole new facet of, uh, you know, creativity for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, I think that for me was probably one of my favorite uh, times in the studio in my whole career, recording Moon, Moon and Scorpio. This was so freeing. It's so, you know, just felt so we felt at home, you know. Do you prefer or um, I guess they're each different, quite different, the feeling, but do you prefer being in the studio or do you prefer being live? I like I like both. Yeah. I like the I like the perfection. Uh even though I like I said you said it's freeing because we were I'll always uh, be grateful to uh, Sylvia Ruin, who's president of Atlantic at that time for mm-hmm. allowing us to do whatever we wanted to do in the studio. She didn't produce, promote it at all, but she gave us <laughs> the entire <laughs> freedom in the studio to record what we wanted to record. And that was, you know, that that's something that a lot of artists will never be able to say because, you know, the studios uh, basically put in an order what kind of record we want. And that was not what she did. She gave us full autonomy. Um, But on stage, there is, you know, real freedom. I mean, you are, you're, it's not just the perfection of trying to get the vocal correct or the, the time of something correct. By, by the time you get to the stage, you, the vocals and all that stuff, you, you know that you're, it's, it's innate, but yeah, the connection with an audience and expressing that and, and seeing that they get it and giving you that energy back is, is unmatched. Now you played on David Letterman's show at least once. Yeah, we did that twice. So, yeah, yeah. Well, how was that experience for you? It was great because, um, you know, you never know what you really, well, I don't know, some people do, obviously, but we never really got, you know, who got us and why, you know, because we weren't promoted. So we didn't know who our audiences were until we met them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. when we found out that Paul Schaefer was a huge family stand fan, we were like, what? You know, and it was like, that's how we got on. David let him because he said we I want the family stand on here so and and then Will Lee the bass player also a, a big fan and um forget the drummer's name now but they were all like they loved the albums man they were like we played this all the time and um you know David Letterman had no idea who we were obviously I don't think he did but the you know it was just fun being able to you know I'd been on yeah I'd been on Letterman before with Shaka but I'd been on Letterman with um Oh, excuse me, on Saturday Night Live with Shaka before and, you know, some of the other TV shows, but like mm-hmm. Grammys and stuff. But when you are doing, when it's you and your name is on the backstage door, when you are the, uh, you're, you know, you got the, the access pass to the green room with your name. I mean, it's a whole nother bag of, you know, okay, oh, yeah. validity, you know, it's, uh, it's nice. It's really nice. That was a fun, fun experience. Real, real great, great crew great staff and the band was amazing well you're you're you guys are like musicians musicians like you know what i mean yeah. like that's that's oh, yeah. such a nice i think compliment when yeah. people who are so talented look up and listen to your music so absolutely absolutely yeah yeah i mean uh i i when i look back on those times and you i see uh the you know those early 90s where basically between lisa fisher 
and Brenda Y. King, and then of course uh, Jeffrey and Jeffrey Smith and Peter Lord, they really brought me into a whole new scene of of uh, you know the the profession. So I do try to do that. I've tried to do that throughout my career for other for other artists and musicians. You know, just op- open doors or opportunities for the cats because you know uh, otherwise you know we're, they are going to be curated by uh, a machine or by a corporation let's get let's get the real cats the real musicians real artists let's let's give show them the door let's show them the the path or clear a path if possible so um yeah that's how that 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 is how it has to go to keep artists being artists and not Mm -hmm. product and growing absolutely Absolutely. We, we, we always grow continually. Yep. That's the cool thing about being a musician too. You never know everything. There's always more to learn. Definitely. Definitely. I learned from the younger cats as much as I learned from the folks, my peers and, and those Mm -hmm. older than me. I, I, I just, there's so much Mm -hmm. to learn, you know, (laughs) it's like, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I didn't (laughs) know that. <laughs> so. Yes. What are some other uh, memorable performances for you? Um, probably. Uh, you mean live shows? Yeah. Um, the the shows that we that we did uh, in New York at Tramps, mm-hmm. uh, were always magical <laughs> because I mean there was just, I mean in any time we played in New York, you know it was sold out, but at Tramps. It was just one of those venues and uh, there were always lines around the block and celebrities in the audience. I mean, I think one night we had Prince and Shaka and, you know, Eddie Murphy in the crowd, you know. Oh, wow. And there was another gig where Lenny Kravitz was backstage, like at my uh, crouching. When I was meditating in the corner with my eyes closed, he was crouching. on, on on his knee in front of me, just looking up at me, and I opened my eyes and looked down. There's Lenny Kravitz. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, those kind of things. But another fun one was uh, in in the UK. We were opening up for KRS One, and I and I think KRS One and maybe Africa Bombada, Curtis Blow. No, Africa, it was no Africa Bombada was Texas, but somebody it was it was, it was a hip hop show. Mm. And at Brixton Academy, and we were opening up for them, and we were booed so hard. It no, was like, it was insane. It was like okay, all right, because it was a hip hop show. Who put us on this bill? You know, oh, they didn't no. want to see us. We weren't rapping, you know. So this is one of them gigs where mm. I'll never forget it because I had to stop my guitar player from strangling somebody who threw something at the stage he was a black belt and did not take that very well <laughs> no. no doubt oh. <laughs> yeah it was some fun times fun times the other side of the coin <laughs> yeah oh no no one more fun show i'll tell you this one is fun too there was a show and this was in the state somewhere somewhere in the midwest and there were literally uh just enough people in the audience as many, as many people in the audience as there were songs on our set list. So I decided to dedicate one song to each person in the audience. So I came off the stage and went to each person and sang this song. <laughs> Say, this is oh, your wow. song. This is your song. And this is your song. So that was fun, too. <laughs> so. What a sweet idea. I love that. Yeah, why not? <laughs> that was great. You know, there's there's both ends of the spectrum. You know, there's the $50,000, 50000 Curtain gigs and a hundred thousand people, you know, festivals in Glastonbury and Pink Pop in Amsterdam. Those are also amazing. But these other ones, they hold a special place in my heart, to be honest. <laughs> I can imagine. You know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, yeah. a huge album that came out um, in the '90s was Paula Abdul's Spellbound, mm-hmm. and you had a very huge part in that um yeah. how did you how did you hook up with uh paula abdul and and doing so much of the writing and production on that album uh, yeah 
Well, we had a group called Aftershock, who uh, I'd actually brought to, it was a friend, friend of mine. Um, I brought to Pete and Jeff, and they decided to sign them uh, to the production label, and they got them signed to Virgin, where, where Paula was. Mm-hmm. And Paula loved Aftershock, and then she found out who produced it, and she then she loved our music as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Invited us to a party, I think a birthday party at our house. And uh, Peter was just, uh, it was a big grand piano there. So he started playing and singing, and, and that was it for her. She wanted us to produce uh, a song on her record. So we started with a song, and it just turned into, you know, the majority of the album. Yeah. You know, including we uh, actually did the, uh, we did the, the, the studio sessions for the Prince song that he wrote because he didn't want to do it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, uh, I was, uh, it was, it was good sessions because, you know, you, uh, uh, she was dealing with folks saying that, you know, she couldn't sing and all that kind of stuff. She, so she had a, you know, she had a, something to prove. And so we gave her some, some meat to chew on, you know? Yeah, no, uh, that is true. I know that she, uh, had a hard time with that but the songs are so amazing like <laughs> oh you, thank you what's one of your favorites that you contributed vibology no hands yeah. down I love yeah that song. I love it was that so song. it was so unique and, yeah yeah and i just yeah. love all the melding of genres and everything that's happening on that tune it's so great i know right i i got to do my classical uh, my classical uh, operatic parliament thing in the middle mm. of that song, which I just, I was so happy. I was thrilled about. <laughs> oh, I know? love it. That's the part in my head right now. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Was like, <laughs> you're talking about it. <laughs> yes, that's the piece. That's the piece. I was like, oh, can I do something? Hold on, hold on. Let me go in. And I just went in and sang, you know, from top to bottom, opera to George Clinton. Mm. <laughs> and it was fun. That was fun. dope nostalgia thank you consider becoming a patreon subscriber today for as little as a dollar a month it helps keep the show on the air and rolling so if you want to check out our patreon it's at patreon.com slash dope nostalgia one dollar a month and you'll be helping support one of your favorite podcasts hi we're 4 p.m and this is dope nostalgia hey friends I kind of miss getting those messages on my answering machine like we used to back in the day. What I'd really love is to hear from you, the listeners of Dope Nostalgia. This is your chance to be on the show, giving feedback, telling us what you love, what you hate, and who you'd like to see more of. Call us at our new toll-free number, 1-888-741-9192. Leave us some feedback. Your message could be played on the show. So give us a call, 1-888-741-9192, toll free. Yo, this is Mars Blackman, and this is my main man, Michael Jordan, and this is a pair of Air Jordans from Nike. 
This is something you can buy. And this is a patented, vicious, high-flying, 360 slam dunk. This is something you cannot do. Let me repeat myself. This you can buy. You cannot do this. Can, can, can. Now, at the time in the mid-90s, you left the group, right? What were you doing during that time? Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't, I didn't necessarily leave the group. We as a group decided not to do another record for the label because, you know, we wanted to mm. kill that deal. And we did. <laughs> so, oh, okay. so it sort of worked out like that, you know, and I, I with a, a seriously heavy heart, and crying my eyes out, I, I agree. They really mm -hmm. told me you have to do a solo record. Like, oh, what do a solo record? <laughs> no, <laughs> so so uh, they talked me into it, and we did it. And we they produced the album and for Electra, mm -hmm. and then the guy that signed me at Electra stepped down, and then Sylvia Roy from Atlanta came over and dropped me. So <laughs> that's basically what? what. Yeah, it was a crazy story. Yeah, so uh, he signed me over there, and we spent like almost a million uh, on the on the record and, and photo shoot, and um and and then she came to the she replaced him and dropped me. <laughs> so it's like, haha, I got you. I don't think she thought that, but it felt that way, of course. Oh my goodness, that would have been a difficult time. Did that album ever see the light of day? Yeah, so my so my band camp right now. Good. <laughs> Hell yes, it's on my Good. band camp. <laughs> Good, then we can share it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then reuniting, like everything coming back together in two thousand six and recording Super Soul Nova. Right. Well, in between that, of course, I did put out two solo albums: on one on Warner Brothers, and then one on Expansion and Independently. So the Mac Diva Save the World album was on Warner Brothers in 96. Yeah. And had some nice placements, you know, did the a soundtrack for Living Single and mm. on the, um, was, uh, and on um, a thin line between Love and Hate soundtrack uh, with uh, Martin Lawrence and Lynn Whitfield. I mean, that it has some, some nice placements um hmm. then jim and i both sides um which uh that same, seems to be a lot of people's favorite album of mine which is odd because i did basically do that one independently um and then i did um oya's daughter in mm -hmm. 2013 okay and that was on um Sha uh, shanaki but yes, the family stand did get back together and uh well recording and and uh we did Super Soul Nova. Mm -hmm. Um I think we had two thousand six what something something something's always a catalyst for us deciding to record again. I think at that time it may we I think what had happened what had happened then was that I forget something happened made us do it album. Oh yeah, we came to we did some shows in uh, in uh, in Europe, mm -hmm. and we did some festivals. And we we're like, okay, let's record an album. So we did that, and then the next time we did another release was 2010, I believe, and that was because we had been asked to perform at a form raise a fundraiser for. Um, then Senator Barack Obama mm. blew for Sonny Rouge with Living Color. And we said, okay, let's do an album. So we did another album then, and that one was called In a Thousand Years. Excellent. Yeah. And I'm glad that you have a wealth of solo material out there too for your fans. That's wonderful. absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Because I mean, there are different sides of, mm -hmm. of my personality that I can highlight when it's just me, obviously. And do you do a lot of the writing yourself now that you've... Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yes. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I learned my lesson well. Thanks, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I'm curious to know more about the Daughters of Soul and the concert yeah. for... And, yeah, you did a concert for Bill Withers, correct? Right, right. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, Daughters of Soul was something I thought of before I uh, moved to Europe. Actually, I'd been talking um, to a friend, Sarah Hill, about doing something with, you know, background singers, some sort of back to front thing, you know, we were thinking. But as I, um, when I moved to Europe, I started thinking about who I would want to get, you know, for the shows. And as I was thinking, um, something, something else started formulating and it was that, you know, these the sisters who could really sing, like Layla Hathaway and mm. uh, and and Indira Khan, and you know, um, I didn't know Nina Simone's daughter, but uh, Lisa Simone. Mm-hmm. Um, let's put a show together with these daughters of these soul icons. Ooh, I can call it Daughters of Soul, you know. So yeah, it sort of came up like that, and then I rounded it off with uh, the spiritual daughters who would be Nona Hendrix of the Bell, uh, Joyce Kennedy of Mother's Finest, and me from Family Stand. So we had, we brought my Rocky Edge in, you know? Yeah. So we had the the youngins and, and the vets. Then, you know, we got I did mixed mixed duet kind of groupings and it was a very interesting, amazing uh, over two hour show mm. that was, you know, kept people on their feet, you know, for hours. Um, all over Europe for several of the festival seasons. So it was for several years of festival seasons. Mm. It was great. It was really great. And we also brought in, I, I used, uh, later I brought in Leah McRae, who's the daughter of, um, uh, why can I never think of this woman's name? Uh, the rock and chair dude. And <laughs> anyway, they, she, she had two parents who are uh, so pioneers. Mm. So look that up. They're great. Um, they okay. both had big kids. Leah <laughs> McRae and her parents, something McRae and something McRae. Okay. Um, Gwen McRae is the, the mother's name. And the father mm. is yeah, something McRae. And, um, <laughs> and we brought Denise Williams in. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. She was awesome. A Gemini sister. And uh, Karen Wheeler from Soul to Soul <laughs> brought her in as well. Yeah. So was we had some. All... Re- Say it again. Sorry, was it all um, shows in Europe or did you get to do some in North America? All as well? in Europe. All in Europe. All in Europe. America did not uh, offer, they couldn't afford it or they didn't want to pay for it. And I thought it'd be such a great show for like Essence Music Festival or something like that or. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't get them. But I, you can't ask them girls all up that that bigger group of people to come over for you know crumbs, yeah. and so yep. the festivals would pay for it in Europe, and uh, so that's what we did. <clears throat> Europe has a deeper appreciation, absolutely, absolutely for, for music, for music, and what the the main the the main thing is that uh, artists who are not in like the in the on the top surface of your 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 eye view here in America are basically kind of discarded and mm. pushed to the side. You know, we like the freshest, newest. We want to want to be up on the latest and the great. You know, and yeah. so you know, artists that have put who put in the years, who put in the time, who gave love and music and contributed to memories and all that kind of stuff. It's sort of you know, they're really discarded. Uh, and I think that's a sad thing because you know in Europe, man, the the you can have an entire well. That's also changing, but you mm-hmm. certainly could have and still can to a certain degree have uh, a whole nother career um, for as an as an American artist. Mm. That's you know that that that's sorely sorely un- underappreciated in their own home. Uh, country that's it's that's a pity so it's it a, is. a huge pity really is because i think our kids miss out you know you know <laughs> our kids don't get to yeah. see you know the cats they should should see because the parents don't even appreciate them anymore that's unfortunate yeah well yeah north america seems very focused on trends and fads yes and what's hot trends at the moment and fads. exactly and it and those things burn out fast so it's hard to see what a real legend is anymore Exactly. They call everybody a legend. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> everybody they got a TikTok phone. They're a legend. Oh, okay. All right. How long they I been don't out even there? know. I don't know. I don't I even like, know. 
I, I, <laughs> I know this sounds like a silly thing to say, but I don't know who the YouTube stars are. I have no idea. I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> I have no clue. I, I, you know, sometimes I ask my daughter, you know, I have a grown daughter here in America and I have two, they're all grown now, but <laughs> the, the, they're a 20 year old, and 18 year old in the Netherlands. And they certainly don't know, but my grown daughter over here don't even know. She's like, I don't know these people. So like, I, you know, I guess you have to be of uh, that either someone who really cares about paying attention and keeping up with that mm-hmm. or, or of a certain age where it's just in your face at school all day or something. But mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't, I know. <laughs> just know. I'm up here in Canada and it's honestly so similar. Like how we basically follow the U.S.'s lead. Yeah, see, that's unfortunate. And mm-hmm. and, and the rest of the world, as I said, you know, uh, Europe as well is trying trying to do that, you know. So um, where when Nina Simone went to Europe and when Diane Reeves went to Europe and when Dee Dee Bridgewater went to Europe and uh, even she was going far, far back when Josephine Baker went to Europe. I mean, you could... Um, they they ate them up, you know, because they that that's an access that they didn't have. But with um with you know the world being smaller because of the internet and email and all that sort of Zoom or um um video chats, you know, the access just has um opened up. So mm-hmm. uh, people are more aware of what's happening in America and, and they want to emulate that. And I think some things just, uh, I wish some of those things were not, you know, people didn't try to, uh, uh, other countries and continents did not try to emulate the style of disposable art (laughs) or disposable, you know, disposable people. That's that's an unfortunate trend to pass on. That's a song to write. It is, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> uh, may sound a little bitter though so i probably shouldn't write <laughs> ads therapy <laughs> <laughs> write it <Yeah>. for myself <laughs> i'm happy that you shared the brand new song with marcus machado with me yeah man sweet yes yes he's amazing i love marcus machado he's doing so well uh too he's one, one of those kids i'm talking about you know somebody i really want to see you know so Mm-hmm. Um, he started uh, out, he lived in Florida and Jeff found him at some session, you know, and started putting him on family stand gigs. And then when I moved to Europe, Marcus moved to Europe and I took him up, out with me on my shows and came mm-hmm. back and he was playing here. So he's just really, and he's got his, he's got a major following now and is doing great. Um so I want to see him get his due. He's a he's and he's a musician's musician. Yeah. But he's got that ear for the streets. He's got that ear for it, and it's quality. It's not just, you know, garbled googly gop. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I dig, really dig what he's doing, you know. Have you done more tracks together? Is it just Yeah, the- we have. No, we did a song called Reset Me Free. Um that's the only other song we released, mm-hmm. but you know we used to do shows just as as, as the duo with he and I in traveling in in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, these duo gigs were was so much fun because we could just like, what you want to do now? Okay, let's do this. What you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the so it's bittersweet and oh, what am I talking about? And cold black. Yeah. So there's three songs we've re- re- recorded. And release so yeah bittersweet code black and reset me free okay and bittersweet's the latest yes yes yeah right. we, we we can play a track we'll play a clip of that song too amazing thank you yeah i'll let yeah. him know Thank you, sister. 
out of nowadays? I am in the Netherlands right now. I'm in uh, Texas with my my uh, oldest daughter that I oh, mentioned wow. earlier. Yeah, but um, I'm based out of the Netherlands, um, where I'm married to a Dutch man, and and we have two girls together. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, so nice being here with my my firstborn. <laughs> mm. Yeah. yeah, no, it's nice to be able to uh, travel a bit too, for sure. Oh, I travel too much, girl. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> I've been told that to, you need to calm down. That's my my our oldest daughter told me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it starts to wear on you, I suppose. But yeah, but I know I love it. It's not wearing on me. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Hey, no, and no. after after having two years where we couldn't go anywhere, I would embrace it. <laughs> Oh, listen, that's probably part of it, you know, is mm-hmm. um, being on lockdown was like, oh, my God, that was the first time I didn't, you know, um, I, I, it was the first time that I can remember my adult life that I, you know, probably mm-hmm. a lot of people that wasn't able to uh, rock and roll. So it was difficult. Um, but I was in New York at the time when uh, the, the, the lockdown first hit and had to just stay there for three months oh. but being in new york on lockdown eh, so <laughs> it wasn't like i got to do much other than you know yeah being the same time zone with my compadres <laughs> i guess that helps yeah it, it does it, it is it, you know we could talk more and you know video chat and hang out and do group parties and you know yeah where we learned how to use this thing called zoom (laughs) zoom for first time i heard about it i don't know if it's when is that when it came out because it's the first time i heard about it It was 2020 i don't know when it came out but i had just learned about it because i was just starting to put this show together and i was Uh, trying to find something besides skype to use that would be really good for recording interviews Uh, yep yep so I yeah. did some research on Zoom and had a walkthrough with one of the people who work for Zoom and okay. said, said, okay, I'll try it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they yeah. blew up. They sure did, man. Well, it was perfect timing for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You do a lot of things. I was looking at your Facebook page. I'm turning the tables on you and she you now. Um, <laughs> you, do <a> lot of, <laughs> you do a lot of, uh, you have a, uh, a new kids on a block sort of group or is that what is that oh yeah well there's a there's a big group of us and content creators as well that uh yeah get together for a lot of new kids on the block events yeah so okay. it's brought a lot of listeners to the uh program as well so yeah it looked fun i was just going through the page i was like oh why they look yeah. like that block. <laughs> yeah they do a cruise every year they've done 13 of them now uh okay so we go on that and we go check out the tours and everything. So, yeah, it's fun. I enjoy it. Yeah, dope, dope. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Two yeah. like-minded people getting together. Yeah. You, it's funny. You can bring a real, real cool group of friends together when you enjoy some of the same things. So. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's what I like about it. For sure. Yeah. What's you a know, group? What's a group you'd go travel to see, or an artist? <laughs> that's mm-hmm. hard that's really <laughs> so hard many. what i know it's almost like the, who would i travel to go see <laughs> I, I, you know i i wait till they travel to my city and then if uh, i know them, i call them and say i'm coming you know <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I, you know because um yeah i, I almost I guess because for me, like I don't have as much fun going to concerts as other people. Sadly, I used to, but I, because I, I, I'm there being not being critical, but it, mm-hmm. it's it is a it's almost a work environment. So I'm I'm checking out the production and the and the sound, yeah. and the, you know, <laughs> seeing what kind of what mixed audience they got, and you know, yeah. I wish I, I could go and just enjoy it. But I go when it, there's they're friends of mine that I haven't seen and I want to hang out. We hang out afterwards, after the show, you know what I mean? Or hang out before the show or, mm-hmm. um, so that's really kind of the only time I've gone to concerts in the last 
certainly 15 years. I don't think I've been to a concert that I didn't know the people performing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really wild. I haven't thought about that. No, I've not been to a show that wasn't <laughs> of a friend in years. <laughs> so. I'm I'm happy you're performing. I'm happy you're recording. What's yeah. what going on for you in the near future that people can check out? Well, right now I'm gonna um, really help Marcus promote this project. That's what we're doing at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, but for 2024, I have um, some recordings that I did with the producer in uh, L.A. called Beautifully Dark. The producer is Mark Batson. He's an amazing, prolific uh, producer. Mm. Um, and we we have uh, some recordings. I, I really want to finish these recordings. And I need to get out to L.A. to do that and because he wants to release it next year. So mm. um, that's kind of, it has to be a focus of the upcoming year because um, we, you know, we just haven't been able to do it uh, in, mm -hmm. the, in the timely fashion that we wanted to. So we started it and, you know, got stopped by this and that. Again, he's so freaking busy. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's in L.A. and I'm in uh, the Netherlands. So, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it's just it's drawn out, but he really wants to put it out in 24. So we're going to try to make that happen. So that's kind of my focus other than continuing continuing my travels and i want to do some more um travels in africa and in south america and do some concerts and master classes and that sort of thing oh that's exciting you should oh I yeah love it. yeah yeah i mean i really enjoy um being in in uh in africa and and also mm -hmm. in Suriname in south america i love being there i really do so um, mixing it with work is all is how you get there. <laughs> so allowing yourself to see the world this way is just brilliant. Exactly, exactly. exactly. I, I feel when people are young and and new in their music career and they're on tour all the time, they don't they get to travel places but don't really get to take it in because there's no. too much else going on. Exactly. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. what I did younger in my younger days. I, I went everywhere and saw nothing. <laughs> yep. Just the inside of four walls. <laughs> yep, I saw the hotel, the venue, the tour bus, the airport. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of, you know, kind of it, you know. If I had time, maybe a little shopping, but not right. really. Not really. I'm happy to get here that you're getting to see the world. It's a beautiful, beautiful yes. thing. And, thank you. And thank Thank you for sharing your amazing music with us and your stories today about like, I, I'm so happy to have gotten to know you, Sandra. Thank you. You too, Naomi. Thanks for reaching out and uh, uh, let me know when it's going up. I will. Uh, I'll tag you and everything. I'll shoot you an email yeah. um, the week of. Not a problem. Have a good holiday. Okay. Same to you. You take care. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. We've traveled so far Every dark night Has a day For every tear's sake We follow a star To the shelter Of a love And happiness invades me with you in my life You're the way to my serenity So undaunted You and I have amended our seams and flights The situation is gonna steer us away from our eternity with every
Social media, yeah, we've got it. Send us an email, dopenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Twitter, Nostalgia Dope. Or on Insta, dope underscore nostalgia. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.